0: To the marketplace coming up, government borrowed 15.32 billion cities in treasury bills in November, 17% more than the month of October. We shall be discussing the implication of this on the economy. It's been a year since the announcement of the domestic debt exchange program and the governor of the Bank of Ghana says despite its negative impact on banks, the banking industry is stable, safe and sound.
1: Despite the TDEP-related losses in 2022, prudential data in the year to October 2023 show relative stability in the banking sector.
0: Plus, active mobile money accounts and transactions per day reached record levels last year. We'll have more from the Bank of Ghana. We've got details of these and many others lined up for you. Please stay. welcome to the program. I am Pius Kojo To Our very first story, it's been a year since the government announced the domestic debt exchange program. However, Governor of the Bank of Ghana says despite the significant domestic debt exchange-related losses in 2022, the banking industry is stable, safe, and sound. He disclosed this at the Governor's Day Annual Bankers Dinner, organized by the Chartered Institute of
1: Bankers. In the cleanup from 2017 to 2019 were meant to position the banking sector to withstand shocks such as what emerged in 2020 and 2022. The 2022 audited financial statement of banks following the DDEP pointed to significant impairments in capital levels of banks. This impact was largely attributable to the significant percentage holdings of assets in government of Ghana bonds. Thus the mark to market valuation losses following the deP coupled with higher impairments on loans and rising operating costs resulted in significant losses in 2022. the main profitability indicators namely return on assets and return on equity all turned negative because of the industry's loss position want to note that the banking industry would have been in the far worse situation with this kind of shock had the earlier reforms not occurred. To moderate the potential impact and help safeguard stability, the central bank gave temporary regulatory reliefs for banks and SDIs who participated in the DDEP. While these reliefs were intended to cushion banks and SDIs from the impacts, the Bank of Ghana expected them to fully restore capital gaps over the next three years, ending 31st December, 2025, in line with capital restoration plans approved by the Bank of Ghana. The Government of Ghana has also published the operational framework for eligible banks to access recapitalization support from the Ghana Financial Stability Fund. Despite the DDEP-related losses, in 2022, prudential data in the year to October 2023 show relative stability in the banking sector. Total assets have increased by 16.7% year-on-year to 257.89 billion Ghana CDs, funded by deposits, which recorded a 26.6% growth to 199.94 billion Ghana CDs from 172 billion Ghana cities. Total borrowings by banks, however, contracted by 21% to 14.94 billion Ghana cities. Profitability of banks have remained relatively strong on the back of higher interest on income on loans and investments, as well as other income sources. These developments culminated in an industry profit-after-tax of $7.1 billion, representing a growth of 60.4% compared with 17.2% in 2022. Capital adequacy ratio adjusted for the regulatory reliefs was 13.4% in October, higher than the revised minimum of 10%. However, the industry's non-performing loan ratio increased to 18.3% in October 2023 from 14% in October 2022, attributable to elevated credit risk associated with the lagged effect of the macroeconomic crisis in 2022.
0: Still on the Governor's Day, annual bankers dinner, Dr. N. S. Addison insisted that the economy would have faced dire consequences if the central bank had in 2022 not stepped in to support government's expenditure.
1: We witnessed the banking clean-up exercise between 2017 and 2019, the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, spillovers from the geopolitical tensions in Europe, and an economic crisis in 2022 that triggered a domestic debt exchange. Despite all these, banks have remained relatively stable and sound partly because we have provided the leadership to the industry to navigate through these economic uncertainties and volatilities with policy clarity and focus, safeguarding the stability of the financial system at all costs.
0: Let's now have a discussion on the governor's justification, basically heavy financing of government expenditure in 2022 and, of course, the latest PwC report. Joining us via Zoom to do that is banking consultant Dr. Richmond Etiyahini. Thanks so much, sir, for joining me on The Marketplace, and good to see you once again. What do you make of the bank's justification of the financial support extended to government which has contributed to its recorded losses?
2: Thank you very much, Piles and good afternoon to your cherished uh, viewers. You see, the statement that the government made, that the governor made, I mean, is doubting it. But you see, the rules, the laws, the Banking Act, Bank of Ghana Act 2002 as amended 918 2016, specifically states, the roadmap. What they did. No one, is, no, no one is questioning what they did, but you see the procedure and the processes, the legal processes or the legal procedures they should have gone through uh. was not duly followed. That is where the argument comes in. No one is doubting that because if the law says that you should support 5% and you do far more exceedingly above the limit without reporting appropriately, as stated in session 30 subsection seven that the minister should report any excesses to the parliament within the space of seven working days even before you do that and and decide to take a roadmap how you're going to put up these residual measures to revamp it so nobody is doubting what the governor did but for us those of us in as part of the business, the banking business, we would, we would require, we would have a, a supported him if he has followed the due processes,
3: uh-huh.
2: taking the president, the minister, going to parliament to seek approval. But you see, when you do it and you come back and you justify it, is a bit it's a bit worrisome because anytime we're going to have this, in this situation, we're going to go through it. Somebody somewhere will use this as a precedent that we did it because it was a matter a matter of emergency or agency. Mm. That is not the issue. The law should have been followed duly and, and processed duly so that we wouldn't have any arguments with what he did. Uh, that is uh, what I would say about it.
0: All right. Have, having listed your concerns about the procedures and processes, well, it says it is taking steps to quickly improve its law's position. Are you satisfied with this assurance, and do you think that the right measures currently have been taken?
2: Uh, let, me, let me advise you and tell the viewers that from the first GDP the day the banks suffered so much. I remember the workings took us to $41.3 billion. Having they revised it, revise it from the eight, uh, 13.8 years to 8 years, they have reduced the losses to the banks. And the losses of the banks has now been shifted to Bank of Ghana. So Bank of Ghana has taken the chunk of the losses as against the the banking sector. As to how he is going to retain it, if we look at the profitability record of Bank of Ghana over the years, it will take us a long time before we can come back to the position. What I believe is that in the course of the year or years to come, they may have to go to Bank of uh, the Parliament to seek approval for recapitalization. That is the only way. That is the only a medium and long term. But to look at the profitability retention, it will take a reasonable yes. Because two, if you're making $2 billion a year and you're making a loss of 60 it's going to take you quite a long time. The only thing they could do is to seek a recapitalization from the, from the government through the parliament so that they can recapitalize it. And when people say that, the losses does not matter, yes. In policy decision, they will say so. But if you go to, I saw that the supervision, they will have a problem. But when we go to the, the other functions, the lender of last resort, or the emergency li- liquidity support, and the other things that they have to do, even including monetary policy, if it is not done properly, it can also have an impact on a banking system. I'll give you one example. Mm. I'll give you one example. Quick one. We know, when the banks go for what we call repo, repurchase agreement, the, the, the bonds were used in financing. Now it's the treasury bill. In those days, you refinance part of the treasury bills, uh, the bonds, so that you can recapitalize it. Now they will use the treasury bill to refinance. That's why I'm saying that when you look at it from the banking position, there, the challenges ahead of Bank of Ghana is quite enormous, because if it's not managed properly, not this year, the years to come, it can have impact
0: on the whole banking sector. That is what I'll say for the time being. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Richmond Etiyahene, for your time here on The Marketplace. We are indeed grateful to you. Let's stay a while longer in the financial space, because government borrowed 15.32 billion cities in treasury bills in November to cover matured bills worth 10.60 billion cities. This is a 17% increase over the month of October. Notably, 364-day bill attracted significant investor interest with aggregate bids reaching 2.72 million cities. However, the T-bill yields registered an average decline of 0.05%. Nonetheless, analysts believe the government's strong resilience on T-bills will likely restrain the decline in yields in the month of December. This week, the government is expected to raise 3.92 billion cities lower than last week's 5 billion cities plus. Joining us via Zoom is financial economist and visiting professor at Gimpa Business School, Professor Lord Mensah, um, for more on that. Thanks so much, Professor Mensah, for joining me on The Marketplace. First off, I want to know the implication of this rising borrowing by government on the economy following the DDEP, and of course, it's been a year already.
4: Yes, I mean, uh, good, good afternoon uh, good afternoon to our viewers. You know, clearly, it has a strong impact on our interest rate structures. In a sense that, you know, we went into the debt exchange with, you know, certain objectives. I mean, one of them is to bring interest rate down, and then the other is to reduce, you know, debt burden on the government's, you know, balance sheet. Or the sovereign balance sheet. Let me put it that way. As we speak now, interest rate in the short term is not able to come down because of government demand, you know, on the market as far as um, funds are concerned. And you know, there's no lucrative business in this country compared to you know investing in treasury bills, which is hovering around thirty-three point something percent. I mean, talking about the one year, which you scale down to the short term, ninety-one day, hovering around twenty-nine percent. So clearly it tells you that yes indeed money only flows you know to and fro from you know government machinery I mean to I mean businesses and I can tell you that you know businesses are getting crippled interest rate structures are not coming down and I don't know how long we're going to stay in this because clearly the budget that government read for 2024 indicate that government is going to borrow about 61 billion from the domestic market because external financial resources are blocked now as we speak because we've lost international you know credibility you know since we were you know banned from the I mean the, the, the eurobond market so clearly I mean and the budget makes it clear that the financing is going to be on the domestic market and uh, it's through treasury bills and because of this i believe interest rate is not going to come down now if you spread the 91 you know the 61 billion for 2024 and government is bent on going by that because of you know election year spending mm-hmm. i can tell you that every year government will be on the market sorry every month in 2024 government will be on the market raising on the average of 5 billion and so um that is quite, you know, huge. And look, if you look on the market now, I can tell you that recently government tried to raise about $5 billion. They only got $3 billion. That tells you that the interest on the on Treasury bill is, 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 is uh, even going down. So I'm wondering, you know, how government is going to manage the situation. And for this posture of government, I don't think interest rate is going to come down any moment from now.
0: Uh, and I guess this presupposes to me that government will spend heavily in 2024, right?
4: Yes, of course. I mean, if you look at 2022, which, I mean, we find ourselves in uh, difficulty, and then you relate the budget deficit to what we have in 20, going into 2024, uh, there's no much difference. And election year, obviously, I can tell you that we should expect more government spending.
0: Professor Mensah, help me understand what happens to government's own fiscal consolidation program under an IMF program?
4: Yes, of course. I mean, things have been massaged. If you look at the budget deficit ratio, I mean, clearly, government indicated that they're doing 5.8% of our GDP. And that is in line with the IMF program. But then, that deficit, you can, you know, realize that, you know, we have massaged the situation by increasing... Our expenditure, and then also increasing our, you know, I mean, uh, revenue. So the cap, you know, is more or less um, the five point eight, all right. But government is looking out for around two hundred and seventy-six billion mm-hmm. in, in expenditure, which is about hundred billion over compared to you know last year, as of this year, as of you know September, you know, I mean numbers. So clearly. Government, per the uh, budget deficit indicators given by the IMF, we are in line. And looking at the revenue, you know, posture, we are also in line. But then, the expenditure lines is what we need to look at. Because government intends to spend over $100 compared to what, you know, as of last September, expenditure was given us. So, um, clearly, uh, I can tell you that, yes, uh, per some of the numbers... You know, we've been able to dribble the IMF in a certain direction to make sure that you know they accept you know the indicators. But from where I sit, you know, we just played with the numbers to 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 to, to make to make the numbers look good in the eyes of you know the IMF program indicators.
0: <laughs> to what end, really? Thanks so much, uh, Professor Lord Mesa uh, for your time. He's an economist and also um, a visiting professor at the Gimpa Business School. ...sharing his perspective with us on the matter. And we've got to take a while longer in the banking or the finance space because significant growth in mobile money is not just limited to the value of transactions that reached more than 1 trillion cities last year, but others as well. That's the opinion no. that one may form after going through you know, the, the, the latest Bank of Ghana's Payment Systems and Oversight report. My colleague George Yaffe has the
3: rest of the story. Between 2021 and 2022, all these other areas, apart from the value transactions, also witnessed some substantial growth. This is despite the introduction of the electronic transaction levy, that is, e-levy, and the aftershocks of COVID-19 on these transactions. This is because it had been argued in the past that these developments will have a negative impact on the service and transactions. However, data from the Bank of Ghana, which tracks payments over the past five years, showed that all these other areas were doing so well. For instance, when you look at the average transactions per day, it went up by more than 13% to hit 13 billion Ghana cities. A report also revealed that over the past five years, the numbers were going up consistently. Again, active mobile money accounts went up by more than 13% to reach over 20 million ending October this year. In terms of the mobile money agents in the country, the Bank of Ghana puts the number at over 500 and in December 2022, representing more than 14% jump from 2021. Some mobile money might be the next growth pool area of the economy and an avenue that government can explore when it comes to improving financial inclusion in the country.
0: You're still watching the marketplace with me, Kojo Kujobaka. Now, the Ghana Investment Promotion Centre will this come Friday host the 20th edition of its esteemed Ghana Club 100 Awards. The much-anticipated event will see 100 outstanding companies in Ghana's business landscape ranked and honoured for their outstanding performances in multiple sectors and contributions to the country's economy. Now, this year's Ghana Club 100 Awards will foster an effective mechanism for assessing Ghanaian companies while instilling the character and confidence needed by businesses to compete in the global market space. Now, joining us in studio is Charles Opoku um, Mensah, Head Public Relations and Communications Division at the Ghana Investment Promotion Centre. Thanks so much, Charles, for joining me on the marketplace. Thank you, Pius. And good to see you. Yes, it's been a while. Great. So tell me more about
5: the Club 100. Yes, um... This year, we're doing the 20th edition of the Club 100. And uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, mm. um, you know, Club 100 is, is done to encourage or promote what we call corporate governance and also, also have a benchmark or establish a benchmark for assessing excellence or corporate performance. Mm. And then also, it also helps um, bring about innovation in terms of... Um, Corporate running businesses, how we are able to innovate even in difficult times. Club 100 rewards excellence in our corporate
0: environment. Uh, and I can see you, you are focusing on some sectors of the economy. Walk me through some of the sectors you're looking at.
5: Uh, we, we normally scope it wide to include almost every area of our economy. But uh, I'll just mention a few of the sectors. We recognize um, performance in agriculture and agro processing. We'll do manufacturing, um, ICT, financial services, mining, oil and gas, energy,
0: um, health, education, infrastructure just to mention a few. I see. So, how would the companies be selected, and indeed, how would they be ranked as well?
5: So, we have a ranking criteria, and then there is also um, an eligibility criteria. Okay, so for eligibility criteria, one. Um, you must be a limited liability company and be in good standing with the Office of the Register of Companies. Two, you must be in good standing with all the statutory bodies, uh, that is GRA, SNIT, you must be in good standing with that. And then uh, also, if there is government stake in the business, the government's share shouldn't be up to 50%, unless you are listed on the stock exchange. Okay. Yes. And then also, you should be a company that is making profit over
0: a period of time. What should participants expect from this year's event?
5: Uh, they should expect excitement, they should expect excellence, and then they should expect a lot of value in terms of corporate networking uh, that normally initiates a lot of business and good business deals. Uh, any
0: final words? Um, I
5: encourage uh, our corporates and people who are interested in um, entrepreneurial activities, want to learn the best of the best within our country, should try and get a ticket and attend this year's event. Where's it's you- happening on, on Friday. Where? At Grand Arena at the uh, Accra International Conference Center. It starts at 6 p.m.
0: prompt. All right. Thank you so much, Charles, for your time. He is the head and, of course, head of communications at the Ghana Investment Promotion Centre, talking um, to us basically about the Ghana Club 100 event slated come um, this Friday. Um, at the grand arena of the Accra International Conference Centre. Let's switch topics and touch on the story. A non-governmental organisation, ActionAid, has distributed startup equipment worth 100,000 cities to over 30 trained young women in the Sunyani municipality as part of a strategic plan to improve their economic livelihoods. These women were trained in their preferred vocational skills and according to the Bono Regional Programmes Manager, the alternative livelihood training will also empower them to live a dignified life devoid of abuse and harassments. precious has more. the
6: impact of unemployment is severe among young people especially for rural teenage mothers who must provide for themselves and their children like twenty two-year-old mother of two, Lucy Autry <laughs> I have two children I feed, and taking them to school hasn't been easy. I learn a trade mostly on an empty
7: stomach.
6: Action aid as part of measures to build capacity and economic livelihoods trained 32 selected young women in vocational skills, including Lucy, in pastries, beets, sandal work, soap making, and makeups, mainly from a tronier in the Sunyani municipality. Programs Manager for Action Aid in the Bono region, Kwamia Framdintra, at the handing over of the startup tools to the beneficiaries, said the target of the alternative livelihood is to empower the young women to live a dignified life.
7: We believe that households that have alternative livelihood can be empowered to live a dignified life and resist indecent work, violence, exploitation, Harassment and abuse within workplaces. The startup materials or equipment, which include sterilizers, hand gloves, napkins, ovens, and many others, were purchased at a cost of over 100. Are being distributed to equip beneficiaries to drive their businesses, improve their economic power, and meet the basic needs of their dependents. As as a social justice organization will continue to work tirelessly to support our communities to drive sustainable development.
6: Lucy, like the other beneficiaries, relishes the impact of the support in her life. I would not have gotten the money to buy these tools because feeling is a challenge for me. So I have to use it well to help my family and to encourage action Aid to help others. Bono Regional Minister Justina Osubanahini thanked Action Aid for their support and urged the beneficiaries to extend the benefit beyond their families. We use this opportunity to also appreciate even the young women for allowing themselves to be trained. And now, the skills that they have acquired, we believe that they will put it into practice. And so, I'm advising them that they should have a good relationship with their customers and also open up. And also retrain young ones who are up and coming. Precious Semivo Joy Business, Sunyai.
0: And that's it for the marketplace. I am Pios Kujubaka. Bye.